won't you bow and be in prayer with me? For every mountain, for every trial. We're here at this last night, God, because you brought us over it and you saw us through it. And that's why we praise you. God, I ask now that you would speak in this final word, in this final moment, on this final day of this year that encourages hearer to believe that you're not done with them yet. It's going to get better. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. In this final sermon of this day and before we enter this period of Selah, I want you to hear what I believe is a prophetic word that God has pressed into my heart and my life that I've wrestled with and I pray will find relevance for you as you see the dawning of a new day, a new decade, and a new season of life in just a few moments from now. It comes to us from a familiar passage that I would ask that you hear in a fresh and new way today. If you turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to the book of Joshua. In the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And if you're able to navigate to the first chapter of the book of Joshua, my prayer is that these first six verses will cement themselves in your spirit as you begin this journey into this new year. May this become your marching orders for 2020. Joshua chapter one, beginning in verse number one, I'm reading in the New International Version of God's Holy Word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you <laughs> nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Do me a favor before you sit down. I need you to be a prophetic voice in the hearing of your neighbor. Find a neighbor next to you and give them the sermon title. Tell them, neighbor, neighbor. Old, neighbor. old neighbor, the wait, the wait. is over. <laughs> you may be seated. The wait is over. I feel a shout right there. The wait is over. I need to share with you that I owe a woman named Olivia an apology. You don't know Olivia. She's an employee at Sardi's in Oxon Hill, Maryland. <laughs> Sardi's is one of my favorite pickup places for food on the way home. And if you've ever been to Sardi's, you know sometimes they have lines that are disrespectfully long. 
But Sardis has moved into the modern era of technology. You can now go online. You can place your order at Sardis. You can pay for it in advance. And you can even schedule a pickup time. So that when you show up at Sardis and the line is disrespectful, you ain't got to wait in line. All you've got to do is walk up front, pick up your food, and walk on out. Olivia manages the online orders at Sardis in Oxon Hill. This past Saturday, I wanted some Sardis after church. So I sat down, Mike, at 3 p.m., ordered my food, paid for my food, and set a pickup time for 7.45 in the evening. I knew 6 o'clock service would be over about 7.15. It'd take me 20 minutes to get out of church, another 10 minutes to get to the Sardis, and I wanted to make certain my food was ready when I walked in. I showed up, Montrez, at Sardis at 7.50, only to find out that my 7.45 order was not ready. To my dismay and my disgust, something I had ordered and paid for was not ready when they said it was going to be ready. That's when I met Olivia, and Olivia met me. And I shared with her in no uncertain terms that I was displeased for my food not to be ready that I had ordered for 745. And the only words of compassion Olivia gave me, just wait. <laughs> I stepped back and I waited 23 minutes. I counted each and every one of them. And with every minute, my anger and my attitude increased. After 23 minutes, I decided I had enough. And I went back to Olivia to tell her how I really felt. I couldn't tell her what I really wanted to say because I'm a practicing Christian. And I figured in Oxon Hill, somebody might know who I am. But I let her know this don't make no sense that I placed my order, paid for my order, scheduled my pickup time, and I've been waiting here 23 minutes for some food that should have been ready for me. And it dawned on me in that moment that I need to remind myself that waiting is not my gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Patience is overrated in my estimation. And I do not like waiting in line. I was frustrated and angry because the order I placed was nothing miraculous. It was nothing off the menu. It was nothing they don't do every day. All I asked was for a little something that y'all do all the time. I'm frustrated and angry because while I'm waiting, I'm watching other folk walk in, <laughs> walk up to the front, grab their food, and leave, and I'm frustrated watching other folk get what I've already ordered. And I'm mad. I scheduled it for 7.45 so I could get home and watch the Clemson-Ohio State game that kicked off at 8 o'clock, and now I'm missing the game. Because you told me it'll be ready at 7.45. Don't tell me it's going to be ready and have me wait. Mike, I don't like making a reservation at a restaurant. I show up on time and my table ain't ready. What's the point of a reservation? Don't tell me my appointment with the doctor is at 11, I show up at 11, and then you make me wait 30 minutes to see the doctor. What's the point of the appointment? Sisters, you know ain't nothing worse than having an appointment with your beautician, and you show up, and she's still working on somebody else for a whole hour before she takes you. Can I get a sister amen? I don't like waiting for something simple. I don't like waiting when I'm seeing other people get what I've asked for. And I don't like waiting when I had the expectation that it was going to be ready. And beloved, that anger and frustration, 
That's not just about chicken and beauticians. That can sometimes frustrate you with God. Have you ever been in a place where you placed an order with God? Didn't ask for much. Not asking to walk on water, not asking for a million dollars. Lord, I'm just asking you to do a little something that I know you can do because you're God. And all you heard God say was, just wait. Have you ever experienced an order with God and you're watching God bless everybody else around you? Everybody else is getting the miracle. Everyone else is getting the breakthrough. Everyone else is getting the healing. Everyone else's marriage is all right. And here you are wondering, God, when? And it's frustrating when I expect God to do it. And I know that I've done everything on my end for God to do something on his. I come to church. I gave up the club on New Year's Eve. I don't slap folk like I want to. I don't cuss folk out like I used to. I'm doing everything I know to do. And God is still saying, just wait. Somebody, you know, it's hard to wait on God. Waiting on God to do a little something. Waiting on God to open the door. Waiting on God to answer a prayer. Waiting on God to bring your prodigal child back. Waiting on God to work a miracle in your marriage. Waiting on God to heal you of a disease you didn't even think you could have. Waiting on God. Somebody, you've come to the end of 2019 and your testimony of this year is that it's been frustrating because you've had to wait on God. 12 months of waiting. 52 weeks of waiting, 365 days of waiting on God to do something new in your life, something asked for in your life, something expected in your life, something promised in your life. You've been waiting on God. And if I found your driveway and I'm pulling up, open up the front door because I've got some good news for you. I believe with everything I have, that God has sent me here tonight to let you know the wait is over. That everything you prayed for God to do, God's about to do. Everything you believe God to handle, God is going to handle. Everything you trusted God to work out in your life, God is about to work it out in your life. In this new year, God is about to do what God said God was going to do. Touch my tell him the wait is over. Listen, if you don't believe it from me, hang out in Joshua chapter one and listen at what the Lord is speaking to you as the Lord speaks to Joshua. By the time you get to Joshua chapter one, the children of Israel have been waiting and wandering for 40 years. They've been waiting 40 years for God to fulfill a promise that God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15 that all the land of Canaan would belong to his descendants. God made the promise to Abraham. God made the same promise to Isaac. God repeated it to Jacob. God shared it with Moses. God revealed it to the children of Israel. Seven times, God made a promise that the land would belong to the Israelites. But the problem was not with the promise. The problem was with the people. Bible readers know in Numbers chapter 14, these Israelites have made it to the promised land. And they are so afraid of the people in the land that they choose to disobey God when God said, go in. And God realizes that although the promise is ready for you, you ain't ready for it. And so God puts them in time out for 40 years to wait on him to move. And when God shows up in chapter one, he shows up to tell Joshua 
the wait is over. It's time for you to cross the Jordan and move into this new thing I have promised for you. Now, you got to understand that for Joshua, the Lord telling him the wait is over is a shock and a surprise. Joshua and Caleb are the only two Israelites who are still alive from when they were at the promised land in Numbers chapter 14. Joshua and Caleb know how disobedient the children of Israel are. They know how stiff-necked these people can be. They know that every time God said go this way, they went that way. They know these are the complainingest folk you didn't ever want to deal with. And what Joshua and Caleb know very well is that our delay was based on our disobedience. Because whenever you disobey God, there is always a cost and a consequence. I knew it'd get quiet there. We don't like to hear the truth of our sin, but the reality is every time you disobey God, there is a cost and a consequence. Say it third time, Rod, make sure they get it. Every time you disobey God, there is a cost and a consequence. When God said no and you forced a yes, cost and consequence. When God said go over there and you went over here, cost and consequence. When God said not him and you said oh yes him, there's going to be a cost and a consequence. And what Joshua understands is that our disobedience has caused our delay. The truth be told, beloved, I came by tonight to say something to you. You've had some struggles this year. You've had some stuff you've gone through this year. Some of it was God grooming you. Some of it was the devil testing you. But a whole lot of it was not God and it was not the devil. It was you dealing with the cost and the consequence of you disobeying what you know God told you to do. I knew it was gonna get quiet. Cause church is filled with sanctified hypocrites who won't acknowledge and admit that we are all sinners who made mistakes with God. I don't care how holy you look, how big your Bible is, how many Sundays you come to church, everybody in here has disobeyed God and had to deal with the cost and the consequence. As a matter of fact, since your neighbor is trying to act holy, do me a favor, lean over and tell him he's talking to you. You are the sinner. And some of what you dealt with this year was a result of your disobedience. Watch this. Their disobedience caused their delay. But here's the shout. But because God is merciful, they were not destroyed. Ooh, ooh. I'm looking for some folk that can acknowledge I made some mistakes. I did what God told me not to do. I brought some stuff on myself, but the mercy of God intervened in my life. And somebody knows the only reason I'm alive on December 31 is because the mercy of God did not allow me to be destroyed. Is there anybody here who's grateful that his mercies are new every morning? I'm alive because of mercy. My disobedience caused my delay. His mercy did not allow me to be destroyed. But here's the gooder one. Here's the gooder. Here's the gooder. My disobedience caused my delay. His mercy prevented my destruction. And his grace won't let me be denied. God comes to Joshua, says, listen, 
I know how ratchet they can be. I know how stiff-necked they are. I know they have a proclivity to disobey me. But I'm still going to give them the land that I promised to give them because even when you don't deserve it, and even when you did not earn it, and even when you should not have it, God is so faithful to the promises God has made that God will bless you with what you don't deserve, what you did not earn, what you could not have, but he gave it to you anyway. Somebody, you need to know that? Because what the devil tends to do when you walk into a new year is remind you of how much you messed up last year and convince you that you are somehow disqualified from the things God wants to do. But I've come by to tell you in this new year, you're about to walk into every promise God has made, every word God has spoken, everything God has proclaimed, God is going to do. God knows you ain't worth nothing. God knows you don't deserve it. God knows you are a sinner and God's going to give it to you anyway. I see you, 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 right there, you, you're asking this question. How can God give it to me when I'm not worthy? How can I believe that God's going to do this great thing when I know how ratchet I've been? Watch what God tells Joshua. I'm going to do it and give you the land because I swore it to your ancestors and I put Israelite on the land. God looked at the land and put Israel's name on it. You want to know why God is going to do what God said? Because God put your name on something God was going to do in your life. I wish I had about three folk over here and two over there that just believe God put my name on something. Okay, uh, Judy, somebody ain't feeling me. Um, both of my sons have holiday birthdays. Cooper's a Thanksgiving baby. Deuce is a Christmas baby. And any of you all who have holiday birthdays know that your family can be cheap. <laughs> and your family will get two for one. They will roll birthday and Christmas into one gift. And so because I try to be a good dad, I make certain that I don't roll both boys' birthdays into one Christmas gift. Cooper just had his birthday around Thanksgiving. And Annette, he only had one item he wanted for his birthday. He wanted an Apple pen. Now, I don't know if you know what an Apple pen is. It's what allows you to write on your iPad. He can do his homework with his Apple pen, do his math with his Apple pen on his iPad and turn it into his teacher. He said, Dad, all I want is an Apple pen. Since I'm a good dad, I went down to the Apple store, ordered an Apple pen. It came in just before his birthday because I got him what he wanted. The day before his birthday, he got in an argument with his older brother and said some things a 13-year-old should not know how to say. <laughs> things I dare not repeat in the sanctuary. And because I did not like his language, I looked him in the eye and said, you are not getting that Apple pen for your birthday. I am disappointed in you in the language you've used. His birthday went by. I went back to the Apple store to take that pen back and get my money. I took the pen to the lady at the Apple store. She looked at the box and said, we cannot take this back. I said, it's not been opened. He's not used it. I want my money back. She says, sir, I cannot give you a refund on this pen. I said, why not? She said, because when you ordered it, you had a monogram with his name on it. And because his name is written on the pen, we can't give it to anybody else. It belongs to him. Wait. So I decided I'm not gonna give it to him to his birthday. I'm gonna give it to him for Christmas. So he comes down on Christmas, opens up the pen, and says, Dad, I thought you said 
I couldn't have the pen. I said, son, you really don't deserve it. You're really not worthy. You've done some things that have disappointed me. But because I put your name on the pen, I have to give you what's got your name on it. I don't know who needs to hear this, but God put your name on some things. All things work together, got your name on it. No weapon formed against you, got your name on it. Weeping only endures for a night, has your It's got your name. God says, I've got to do it because I put your name on it. So I'm going to do amazing things in this new year because I promised it and your name's on it. But Joshua, I need you to see the process that makes it happen. God shows up to tell Joshua the wait is over. But the very first thing God says is insensitive and harsh. God looks at Joshua, and this is what God says. Moses is dead. What, what kind of loving God starts a conversation, Moses is dead? Do you know how much Joshua loved Moses? And God just comes down with insensitivity and says, Moses is dead. No, no, Joshua, sit down. I got something to tell you. No, let me hold your hand and walk you through what I'm about to say. God shows up out of nowhere and just says, hey, Moses, dead. <laughs> what a harsh word. But what the Lord is saying to Joshua is that I need you to acknowledge and accept that something you thought you needed is no more. Something you were dependent on is no more. Something you've been waiting on is no more. Such a harsh word, Moses is dead. Why does the Lord show up and just say Moses is dead? Well, beloved, you got to remember how Moses died. In case you don't know how Moses died, when you get home, just turn your page back over one page. And right before Joshua 1 is Deuteronomy 34. And Deuteronomy 34 will tell you how Moses died. But since you can't read it, let me give you the cliff notes. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, the children of Israel have come to the brink of the promised land. And God once again tells Moses... I need to see you alone up on the mountain. God summons Moses to the top of Mount Nebo. Everyone say Nebo. Nebo. Moses goes up to Mount Nebo by himself. No Joshua, no Aaron, no Hur, no Caleb, only Moses. He goes up to the mountain alone with God. And Deacon V, God shows Moses all of the promised land. And after Moses sees the promised land, the Bible says, he dies alone with God. We keep reading Deuteronomy 34. The last few verses are Moses' eulogy. And Roger's eulogy reads like this. There ain't ever been a man in Israel like Moses. Moses is one of the greatest Israelites Israel has ever had. Now, it will surprise you for Moses to be that great when you visit the promised land there is no burial site for Moses. Those of you who have been know that everybody else has a grave. We know where Abraham's grave is. We know where Rebecca's grave is. We know where Rachel's grave is. We even know where Isaac's grave is, and Isaac ain't do nothing. <laughs> and he's got a grave you can visit. So what you ought to be asking is, why come Moses doesn't have a grave? If Moses is that great, why is there no grave for Moses in Israel? Deuteronomy 34. Because when Moses dies alone with God, the Bible says, God buries Moses. 
Moses is alone with God. He dies. God buries him. And the Bible says, therefore, nobody knows where Moses is buried because God buried him. Are you with me? Moses goes up to the mountain, dies alone with God. God buries him. Nobody knows where he's buried. So I'd argue with you that Joshua and the people who are at the base of the mountain waiting on Moses, they don't know that Moses is dead. So God shows up, say, listen, I need y'all to know something. Before you cross over to the Jordan, I need to let you know what has happened. Moses is dead. And if you're going to move on, I need you to accept that some things you thought you needed are now dead. Come, come here, come here. Uh-uh, it gets worse. He tells them Moses is dead, but they don't get to see the body. There's no evidence that he's dead. No death certificate, no funeral program, no flowers from the wake. God just shows up and says Moses is dead because I need you to understand that some things are over just because I said it's over even though you don't have evidence that it's over. I need you to know this thing is done when you have no evidence that it's done. It's over. Even though they still text you every morning. It's over. Even though they ain't moved out the house yet. It's over. Even though you still get a check from that job. It's over. And you get no evidence. All you have is a discerning that God has said, this thing is over. Can I push it? Not only do they not have evidence, they didn't get to go to the funeral. God says, you've got to move on. Watch this. When you may not get closure. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 uh, you need to understand that this move God is calling you to will require you leaving some things that you never get the closure you need and that you want it. There will be no apology. They will not explain why it happened. They will not say I'm sorry. You're not going to get reconciled. It's over with no closure. God says, I need you to move forward with no closure. Watch this, because y'all are at the base of the mountain still waiting on Moses to come back. You won't move because you're still expecting what was gone to come back. No matter how good it was, it's over. No matter how much you loved it, it's over. No matter how much you needed it, it's now over. And the Lord says, I had to bury Moses for you. Um, um, what did God have to bury for you this year? Oh, boy. I'm, oh, God says, listen, you can't cross over and not allow me to bury some things. There's some anger I got to bury. There's some unforgiveness I've got to bury. There's some dreams I've got to bury. There's some brokenness I've got to bury because you will never move into your new season as long as you're still holding on to something God says I need to bury. But can I give you the good news? Here's the good news. Moses was never ordained to go into the promised land anyway. Moses was called to lead him out, but God never told him to lead him in. So your problem is you're trying to drag into a new year something that was never ordained to walk with you in this new season. Hey! I feel a shout coming. Watch what God says. Moses can't go, but Joshua, you 
and these people will go. Okay, I'm again. You missed it. You lost Moses, but you gained some of these people. And God has a way of sending the right ordained people to connect with you, to walk you into your new season of life. Beloved, I don't know who I'm preaching to. You're sad about Moses, but praise God for these people. These people in your village, these people in your choir, these people in your circle. Thank God for these people. Y'all sit down. I got to preach. I got to get out of here. Ooh, ooh. Lord says Moses is dead, but you got these people. And watch what he then says. Joshua, you're going to go in. And God takes time to specify the boundaries of the promised land. Don't miss this. You would skip over this verse and miss something God is saying. God looks to Joshua and says, listen, let me tell you about the promised land. From the desert to Lebanon, from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean, God takes time to specify the boundaries of the promised land. Desert to Lebanon, Euphrates to Mediterranean. I need you to know the boundaries of the promised land. Now, here's the problem with the Tiffany. Um, Joshua has already been in the promised land. Numbers 14. He was one of the spies. So my question, Theron, why does the Lord take time to explain the boundaries of the promised land to a man who's already walked in it? Come on, come on, come on. Kyle, why does the Lord take time to explain the boundaries when Joshua has already been there? He was there in Numbers 14. So why does God now explain the boundary in Joshua 1? Well, Judy, I did a little research. I went back and I compared where Joshua walked in Numbers 14 and what God defines in Joshua 1. And here's what you'll find out. That the land God promises from desert to Lebanon, Euphrates to Mediterranean, is much larger than the land Joshua walked in in Numbers 14. God says, what I'm promising you is bigger than anything you've ever walked in before. What I have for you is greater than where you've been. What I've got for you is larger than what you've seen. And the Lord does it to ask a question of you and me. Now that you know how big it is, can you envision yourself walking in something bigger than you've ever walked in in your life? Do you trust God to bless you so big that it outweighs anything you've ever had in your life before? Uh, beloved, somebody, your problem tonight is a vision problem. God says, I need you to walk into 2020 with some 2020. <laughs> uh, I need somebody that sees themselves on top. I need somebody that sees themselves blessed. I need somebody that sees themselves healed. I need somebody that sees themselves with their bills paid. Do you see yourself? Do me a favor, touch somebody, tell them your vision is too small. You're limiting what God can do to what you've already seen. God says your vision is too small. You see yourself with a new job, and I see you owning the company. You see yourself with a new man, I see you with a godly husband who loves you for the rest of your life. Can you see yourself in something bigger than you've already walked in? I just need about three folk in this church who believe like me that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard what God 
has in store for me. Is there anybody here who believes God for great things? Um, God's got more for you than you think. So Judy, I'm standing in Sardis. Angry with attitude. Because I've been waiting 23 minutes for some chicken. After 23 minutes, Olivia motions for me to come over and get my food. And I get even angrier because the bag she gives me does not seem to be my order. I had one order, and now there are three boxes in the bag. And I say to her, you've given me the wrong food. All I ordered was one, and there are three in the bag. She said, well, since you waited so long, you had to wait on your order. The manager decided to give you some free stuff that you did not order. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but God's going to give you more than you ordered. God's going to give you more than you prayed for. God's going to do more than you asked him for. God's got more. Uh, I got to go. I gotta leave y'all now. It's time for some Selah. Watch this, here's what it says. He says, I'm gonna give you more. Here's the promised land. From the desert to the Lebanon, from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean, it's all yours. But watch this, but you can only have what your foot walks on. Uh, you can't possess it until you pursue it. You can't have it until you chase after it. You can't have it until you desire it. This is your year to walk in it. Go for it. Chase it. Pursue it. Go for it. Tell somebody, tell them you gotta walk in it, baby. You gotta walk in it, baby. Goodbye, saints. May the Lord bless you mighty good. I'll see you on Easter Sunday. But I came by with a word from the Lord. He says, Joshua, when you walk in it, do me a favor. Be strong and courageous. You can't have this being weak and wimpy. You got to be strong and courageous. You got to get some back in your backbone. You got to be strong and courageous. You got to face your enemy and tell him not this time. You've got to face your sickness and say, I will not die. You've got to be strong and courageous. And if you do that, nobody can stand against you. If you do that, You'll win every battle, cause as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Goodbye, church. But the Lord promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Good night, but the wait is over. The wait is over. The wait is over. Hey! It's your time. It's your season. Go for it. Go for it. Claim it. Chase it. Yeah. 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 Hey. The wait. The wait is over. It's a new year. It's a new decade. 
It's a new season. Cross over and claim your blessings. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Listen, you're about to cross over. You're about to walk into what God has promised. And I want to pray you into that season, that space tonight. So I'm going to ask you to do whatever makes you comfortable. If you want to sit, if you want to stand, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to kneel, wherever you are, get in that place of prayer. And let's get ready to cross over into this new thing that God has in store that is bigger than anything you've ever walked in before. Brother, man, baby, girl, you can't even dream about how good God wants to be. You have no idea of the amazing things God has in store for you. God says, I didn't bring you through all of 2019 to abandon you now. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God, here we are in the fresh new moments of a new year. And Lord, we first want to thank you for allowing us to live and cross over. Not because we were so righteous or so holy, but simply because mercy would not allow us to be destroyed. And now grace will not allow us to be denied. God, convict and confirm in my spirit that there's some promises that have my name written on it. You prepared it for me before I was formed in my mother's womb. This is the year, oh God, where time catches up with eternity. This is the year, oh God, when what you've planned in your providence will now become a reality in my daily life. And it's bigger than what I can even imagine. God says to you tonight, my sister, my brother, do you trust me for bigger? Do you believe that there's more out there for you than what you've experienced? God is not limited to what you have seen. God said, if I could step in the middle of nothing and speak land and sky and sun and moon, then surely I can speak new things into your life. Don't you limit God to what you've already experienced. But you got to walk in it, brother. Sister, you've got to pursue it. You can be in good health, but you got to pursue it by changing your diet and working out. Your bills can be paid, but you have to pursue it with some financial discipline in your life. But if you dare walk in it, says God, I'll provide it. The promise is prepared, but you have to pursue to possess. So Lord, today we just believe that as the sun begins to rise on this new day, this new year, there are new things waiting for us. Thank you, O oh God, for how Moses brought us to this moment. And thank you for the, these people that you've added to my life. So now, Lord, I face this new year with strength and courage. God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous because last time we were here, you all were afraid. Don't have the same response to your enemy in this new year that you did in your last. Because you know God is with you. God has promised to walk with you every step of this new year. Whatever it may come, whatever it may be, the songwriter said, be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. So Lord, I'm believing you right now with everything I have, with all that I am, 
I'm believing that a new me awaits, that new blessings are around the corner, that new amazing things are about to happen in my life. And we claim it and pursue it in the name of Jesus. In your own way, pray to God right now of thanksgiving and preparation. Let God hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through, Lord, for allowing me to cross over, for the people you've added to my life, for the ways in which you've changed me. I walk into this new year with new vision, God expecting greater. Hear my heart's cry, O oh Lord. Hear my first prayer of this new year as I give you thanks for what's about to be. The wait is over. In Jesus' name we pray. And all those who made a commitment to walk with God in 2020 said amen. Amen and amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of thanksgiving and praise? Do me a favor, hug somebody, tell them Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for all you do.